so while I was addressing my personal demons and things that I was dealing with in life, on a more broad scale, on a more world scale, I thought to put out this record because we always want to create a space where people can discuss issues that affects other people. Welcome back to Not 97. This is season nine, episode nine, featuring Black Odyssey, the Austin-based duo building conceptual worlds and blending genre from funk to hip hop to soul and everything in between. We caught up with Black Odyssey on the heels of releasing their latest album, Diamonds and Freaks, a deeply personal project grappling with lust, sex, masculinity, and more. We highlight a standout off their record titled Adam and Eve, and a new single from frequent collaborator Amir El Sol. In addition, we introduce Philly's Black Butterfly and the eclectic sounds of Ori. Stick around after the interview for a snippet of our one-on-one conversation with Wesley Joseph, the boundary-pushing UK-born singer, songwriter, producer, rapper, filmmaker, and more. Live from the studio and brought to you by The Orchard and Human Resources, this is not a podcast, this is not a radio show, this is Not 97. Enjoy. Welcome back to Not 97, not a podcast, not a radio show. We back. Season 9, episode 9. Damn. We out here. That's heavy. Black Odyssey. 9 is Alejandro's favorite number. So hey, hey. I love that, I love yeah. that. 997, 9.9. Black Odyssey, welcome to 997. What up, what up? How you feeling? Less, man. So let's start here. Black Odyssey is, and this is very, like, we're a very, what's the word? Mysterious group, but Alejandro and I are Black Odyssey together. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to okay. say, if you want to, yeah. perfect, because I was going to say, if you want to introduce yourself, both of y'all, yeah. who you are, where you come from, and, and what y'all do. Cool. Juwan, but a lot of people call me Black. I'm sort of like the the singer, or the front man of the group. Yeah. We, we met in 2015. He was working at a pizza shop at the time. And I was uh, working at a department store. And, uh, yeah, we just started talking about music. And, and maybe, like, a month later, we just started making a bunch of shit together. So so you're you're from up here. You're from Jersey. Yeah, from New Jersey. Are y'all based in Austin? Austin, yeah. Did you meet up here or did you meet in Texas? We met in Austin. Word. Yeah. So are, are you from Austin or... No, I'm a Floridian. I'm from okay. Panama City Beach. Okay, so, yeah. okay, okay. So what were you doing in Austin? You were just... Fucking around. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not just the, the classic tale of, like, leaving your hometown to pursue music. You know, Austin's kind of the live music capital of the world. So I moved there with a rock uh, band. And, okay. Uh, Chasing yeah. your dreams. Yeah, yeah, man. Beautiful. You beautiful, have to do beautiful. it. How did a pizza shop employee and a department store employee meet each other? Bro was hungry. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I was, like, one of the bartenders there. And, you know, like... Music's always the number one thing in my mind, so I'm always talking about it with people, and uh, you know, he would always come in just regularly on breaks and stuff, and then he had overheard me talking to someone about the band I was in, and then he came up to me and was like, hey, man, like you you, know, you play music? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a guitarist. He's like, dude, that's crazy. That like, I've been needing a guitarist, you know, yeah. just moved here from Jersey, and then he showed me his music, and I was like, this is exactly the kind of stuff I've been wanting to play, like, soulful music, like, you know, just, like, impactful stuff. And then... The rest is history. Yeah. Now we're empire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wild. Nah, that's crazy. So, yeah, from, like, so that's 2015. And then the Black Odyssey debut came out in 2021. 
So what was that process like of kind of putting, you know, like really making Black Odyssey the the name and and putting that out uh, that debut together? Yeah, I mean it was a, it was definitely a, like a super long process. Black Odyssey started out as a rock band, so mm. when I met Alejandro, we had sort of had a, an exchange of music, and he played me a bunch of music that coming from Jersey, you know, especially urban neighborhood within Jersey, I never like heard Led Zeppelin or Rage Against the Machine. Didn't really hear too much about Jimi Hendrix or anything of that world. So it was definitely a culture shock for me and being in a new environment for the first time, I was so excited to hear it that we dove into that pretty heavily. Cause I was like, well, I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? That feels good, you know? So we spent a long time as sort of like a rock band and we put together a couple of records Nothing ever felt good enough to put out, but yeah, we 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 started to de- do decently well. We picked up a manager in Los Angeles who was managing what we were doing, and I think right up until the pandemic, it seemed like we were trending in the right direction. But obviously, then the pandemic happened, so it was a it was a time and space where we could like reconsider the direction that we were heading in, reconsider like where we would end up if we went in the direction we were heading in, and you know, to weigh our options on, like, if there was something better that we could be doing. I think we both, for a long time, had an appreciation for soul and hip-hop music. But being where we were, it just wasn't the thing that was working out of Austin. So we wanted to do what was working out of Austin. And we were looking at the role models that were there, like Gary Clark Jr. and the Black Pumas and groups like that. And they were doing sort of, like, Americana stuff. That was, you know, what was popular there. So we were just trying to follow suit at first. Like I said, during the pandemic, you know, we, we just had more of an opportunity to, like, reconsider our own identity and what was true to, like, us. So I think Black Vintage started, like, we have, you know, me and Rios saw each other pretty much every day from 2015. But obviously during the pandemic, like, everyone's separated, right? So we have been just sending stuff back and forth. I sent him, like, these, like, beats I was working on and he would drop guitar on it and you know they kind of just formed into Black Vintage it was sort of an accident to be honest yeah that's where we were introduced to you through that record through Funkontology mm. which Rashad found pretty much coming off the pandemic essentially yeah. so yeah. it was like the same like I must have got the same vibes like it was like okay yeah. this is a reinvention almost this is the first song I played coming out of sitting <laughs> yeah. at the house and I think anytime Rashad can shout out Jersey in, in a in a pick of his, he's going to do it. So when you played that, said you were from Jersey, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of like shouted out George Clinton and was like, this is giving me like throwback Funkadelic energy. Wow. You know, it just made sense. It's crazy that you picked up on that too. Yeah, I mean, bro, I don't even, I don't even think a lot of people even knew George Clinton was from Jersey. It's more like he's just an iconic person in general. And yes, he's the he's the funk guy. But and you could have just said that in general, like, yeah, this sounds like funk. But it made even more sense to me because of influences. And a lot of the shit that we talk about sometimes is like sound like where you're from. We give a mm. lot of artists mm. that critique sometimes, like, yeah, you from the internet, but like you could throw a little bit of influence from the abstract place. It could be some artist that's from your town that you don't even really know but it still could sound like where you're from and that was kind of where i was going with it is like nobody really knows 
that the father of funk is from Jersey, but somebody from Jersey who is now current could be making that more prevalent or just pulling from it and making the sound out of that. So yeah, nah, and that was like sort of a common thread between Alejandro and I, like you know, Funkadelic and George Clinton kind of towed the line in the in the early seventies between like rock and roll and funk and like black music. You feel me? So like. That was a very interesting, like, connection between me and him. You know, we, we both came from two different worlds, but could appreciate some of the same things in life and had common goals, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. That, that, that's a big thing. The title of that episode was Restoring That Feeling, mm. and I think that song was, like, the perfect representation of that, of just, like, like you know what that feeling is, <laughs> And and we're like trying to, you know, recreate it in a modern context. Crazy, yeah. You guys dropped the the black vintage reprise. Yeah. And you had the legend George Clinton on that shit. What was the process like of going from like, you know, the first project to then, you know, getting someone like George Clinton on that? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, black vintage started to get a lot of attention and you know, kind of gave us another springboard to kind of like button up mm. what we felt like was kind of missing in it so like you know we obviously wanted to get songs like suicide doors and benny and and in particular that song benny like we kind of we we were still wearing some of like our funkadelic influences and that song kind of has an homage to a, a funkadelic line in there mm. and you know we we've always talked about having you know someone like george or like a bootsy just like a legend on the album and Crazy enough, there was, there was a time where, like, me and him, we were in L.A., like, I think we were doing sessions for that album, mm. and uh, Jawan pulled up on Instagram, he's like, oh, man, look, George, George Clinton's here in L.A. right now, he's here for the Red Hot Chili Peppers' is, like oh, star hey. revealing, and he's like, dude, we should pull up on him, and, like, you know, we kind of just, like, laughed about him, brushed it off, and instead we went to Melrose to just kind of, like, you know, that's, like, a little shopping district over there, street, and, like, Crazy enough, like we're just walking, walking down Melrose, and I'm just I'm just talking because like LA is such a different city from you know like everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even New York and Austin, and like I just made an observation like man, like everyone here just like looks like somebody. It's like <laughs> you you never know who's who who's who could be in front of you or like across the street or something. Like I just point at someone. I was like like look at this guy. Like he's just stylish. Like you know like in Austin <laughs> if someone look like that you would think you know he could be like a homeless person or just like someone trying too hard but in here it's like he fits in it's like it's like high fashion he's wearing this like silver leather trench coat like this crazy ass hat and then i didn't think anything of it but Jawan just looks and he's like yo is that is that george clinton <laughs> no and, way. and i was like what and then he was like no we gotta walk a little faster and see and we walked past it and it was george clinton in melrose and it was it was just mind blowing. We were just like, what do we do? And it was just like, you know, we we walked past, and then he went into this this boutique shop, and we kind of, you know, Juwan was like, I, I got to talk to George Clinton, you know, like that's that's hometown love, you know, Plainfield, and you know, we saw that his, you know, like his Escalade was right on the corner, so like we only had a short window to make it happen. So yeah, he came out, and then like we just chopped it up with him for a minute, and. He made the connection, and then, you know, you can probably follow up on what happened afterwards. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, like, went up to him and started talking. And it was funny because he really had seemed to, like, brush it off pretty heavily. Like, 
Went up to him, told him I was from Plainfield. He was like, oh, wait, cool, man. And then... <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And then I told him, because I have some mutual people, and, you know, as a default, niggas always want to be like, I know him, and he yeah, knows yeah. my cousin and shit, right? And I told him that, and he was like, yeah. And then he just yeah, walked right. off. Yeah. <laughs> and he told us to come to the Red Hot Chili Pepper show. Yeah. Not like he offered a tickets. He was just like, just come. <laughs> So I was like, damn, epic fail, mm. you know? Um, but it couldn't have been more than, like, a week later, his daughter DM'd me on Instagram. Mm. I was like, yo, he checked out the music. He loves what you're doing. Down to get something in, you know, if y'all want. So we sent him damn. Danny that night. I think it already had The Butcher on it. We sent him the, the record that night, and I hopped on FaceTime with him. And I was just like, yo, this is crazy that this is actually happening. He got on the record, and... He sent us a lot of stuff. We only used a little bit of it. Probably use some of it later if we can. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a way wilder story than I thought <laughs> was going to be said. Nah, it was fucking wild. That's incredible. That's like once in a lifetime. You know what I mean? You no. got to go. Take them shots, man. I was fully like ready to get rejected, too. Well, because also, especially in L.A., how many people do you think Goes up to someone like that yeah, and pitches himself. He's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for him to even go and listen to the music off the strength is a thing. Like, just well, it, it just works in, like, different ways. Like, so you have to, like... I feel like in this industry, if you put a lot of effort into this, which I have my thoughts on, but if you do want to put your effort into, like, getting to know people because they're, they're who they are, it's got to be, like, notches. Like, it's got to be, like... Yeah, he saw me on Melrose, but, you know, there had to be, like, two to three other times that our name came up that yes. week that he was like, I think I just ran into that kid at Melrose. Let me go ahead, somebody turn it on. Let me hear it. You know what I'm saying? That's more likely what happened. But that's when you are in a position and in a, in a place where it's like your name is constantly coming up and that that's what starts to connect the dots. But it takes such a long time to get there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I want to fast forward a little bit and talk about the new record y'all just dropped. But Diamonds and Freaks yeah. came out earlier this year, mm -hmm. uh, 2023. 6'9". 6'9"? 69. Mm. You've been fucking with the nines. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, I was like, you know, looking around uh, on the rollout of the project and, you know, read through the open letter you put out. Mm. And, you know, you talk about the album kind of representing this, like, come-to-Jesus moment for you. And and obviously, there's a lot of, like, really deep themes on the record, very, like, vulnerable themes in that letter and on the record. And I wonder, why was it important for you to, to put that letter out yeah. as a way to, like, preface the album rather than, you know, just let the music speak just for itself? Go. Because I think, like, on one on one hand, I like music to be subjective and let people take their own journey on it. But in today's day and age, like, it's tough with that sometimes because mm. we look at things as on such a surface level, you know what I'm saying? For instance, like, we had some, some, some like, movement on Twitter when we posted the track list. Yeah. Right? And, and it's just, like, I thought it was great, you know what I'm saying? Any, any love is love. But everybody that was, like, reposting it was looking at the titles and they were saying shit like, this is going to be the nastiest album or Kevin Gates must have something to do with this. Or... Yeah, like they're they're missing the point. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't meant to like, 
it was it was meant to provoke thought, which yeah. is what it was what it did. But I, I feared that we just may have captured the entire wrong audience with that because I feel like right now to consume the Black Odyssey stuff, you have to be you have to somewhat like you know I I would like to think that our fans and the people that listen to our music are just like more music connoisseurs and they like to go on journeys. Mm-hmm. So that side of Twitter, because you know there's different regions of Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like we got the meme side of Twitter, whatever niggas was over there was not quite the connoisseurs. Connoisseurs, right? So that was, the timeline was the track was dropped, yeah. and then and then you wrote the letter after that. I wrote the letter after that because I was like, I, there has to be something to explain all of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to like have a cliffhanger, so I wrote the letter and I sat down and I was just trying to like figure out, you know how to explain this record to my, to our fans and, like, figure out how to make it as impactful for people. And I we, I put the letter out the day before the album released because I wanted people to, like, read that and then listen. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very vulnerable, very open about my own life, my own situations, and the album from a writing perspective. And it was important to me because maybe it's a generational thing, but there's so much, like, I don't know, the way that we as men, like, sort of look at love and lust and the disconnect between the two and the blurred lines in between the two and, you know, the toxic masculinity that happens within our communities and how it's kind of like a peer pressure thing growing up and the damages that that can do generationally but also, like, how it prevents us from you know, finding healthy situations was something that I really wanted to talk about because it's something that I think I struggle with personally, but more than that, I think it's something that we all struggle with. But we don't have a space in society right now to speak about those sorts of things on a broader level. And it takes influencers and artists and people that are influential in general to have those conversations so that other people feel like they can have them even if on a smaller scale. So while I was addressing my personal demons and things that I was dealing with in life, on a more broad scale, on a more world scale, I thought to put out this record because we always want to create a space where people can discuss issues that affects other people. So, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, it's almost like how they say on ESPN, athletes are controlling their narrative. You getting in front of the story before... Somebody runs off with whatever the meme culture is or whatever. You want to be like, look, nah, this is this is what we're doing. This is how we want y'all to perceive it, and it's serious. Um, and it's so tough because, like, the meme shit is what spreads. Not because oh, it's easy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the lowest hanging fruit. People don't have to think to laugh. It's, you don't have to think at all. But when you get into critical thought, oh, man, people tap out. It's like It's like... But you know what that reminded me of and what was a, a serious inspiration for us in this new world? Because we wanted some of the front end of the record to kind of be memey and funny and kind of a little bit more just lighthearted. Yeah. But it was it reminded me of what Dave Chappelle was doing during the pandemic, mm-hmm. which was fucking incredible. He's a comedian. And motherfuckers was going to his show expecting to just laugh. Yeah. But then he would just break out into these, like, social activist, like, speeches and he would be bringing these points up and these things. But, like, now niggas is not even really laughing in his shows. They're standing ovations. They're clapping. Like, this is a a generational voice. And I was like, oh, well, 
he reeled people in for years saying nutty shit, but he has incredible and impactful things to say. And, and that was like one of the biggest things for us. And it's been a common goal for us. Like, it's easy to be impressive and do short things that make mm. people laugh. But when you could nail being impressive and being impactful at the same time, that's what Black Odyssey is trying to do at least. Yeah, I mean, you see all the great albums. In reality, we looking at the last Kendrick album, the last Cole album, all these critically acclaimed Grammy winning albums. It's a lot of people that be like, that shit is terrible. Like or they they don't they don't it's too it's too critical for them. Like they just like I I certain songs like, yeah, I like that the single. Cause that's the one that's on the radio, but I may not like the whole album, and that's just—it's a different bucket of people. Yeah, I, and, it, and look though, I'm gonna I'm keep it a bean. Like we are trying to figure out how to get those people too, because they're important in the equation. You know, what I'm saying? of course, that's a lot of people. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah, I don't want to definitely look down on them because ultimately all the great albums do have multiple radio hits. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the masses ultimately. Being a critical thinker is the Ten percent, the people that's in the buildings and like the super duper fans and all yeah. that. But the real masses, they really they want something. Yeah, you can hide the message in there, but they really want a bop, as Facts. they say, a bop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got bops too. Yeah, yeah. Nah, <laughs> of course, we're getting there for sure. We we working on it, you know. Facts. I mean, that's... we're really focused on creating art that's gonna last way longer than us, you know. Yeah. And, and, and 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 that I think the care that y'all are putting into it is like you know comes comes through with that longevity, and like what you're talking about, like what you know the themes on the record and what you're talking about both in the letter and on the music is is very, like you said, vulnerable. And and there's a process of that. And I'm wondering, like even before you started writing, the last record was also like vulnerable, and 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 you you went deep on certain themes. But I wonder, like this being so personal. What was that process like for you of having that come to Jesus moment before you're even like writing the songs? Like that had to have been a personal process before you're even. Man, I think like, you know, it's it's a lot of reflection. It's a lot of like being honest with yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying like, how can I constantly improve as a person? And then you start to like look at all the shit that you can improve at and you're like, damn, like, I'm... I'm, yeah, you feel me? Like, you know, what I got saying? some work to do. Yeah, man. you open that list up. You, it's hard to open your own list. It's like looking at the back end. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to open because we look, we look at ourselves and we're like, well, I'm not bad. You know, so look at the other niggas around here. You feel me? <laughs> but when you really, as a person, open up your own list of the shit you need to work on, that's a crazy feeling. But it's also empowering. So I feel like I, not just me, but I was just watching different things around me at the time. Like I was in a relationship broke up, Alejandro was in a relationship, they broke up. So I just had so many different perspectives of like love in that 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 time. But I had always faced my own issues with that. So like I feel like I have been writing this album in a sense my entire like life up yeah. into this. And I think that's a theme with a lot of the black vintage writing and the Diamonds and Freaks writing as well. I mean it's definitely like a journey, which is why it took four chapters to get from point A to the end of the record. You know, the process was like life. You know, I would do just so much different shit to 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 like when I was writing the first chapter, I was that's where I was mentally, like low key. By the time I finished the album, I was writing the fourth chapter. 
and writing a song in that chapter, I was looking back on how my, my thought process was when I was doing the first chapter, and I was like, I could, I could see different things. I could, I could think about things from a higher level, higher perspective. So yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Would you say the process of recording a little bit has to go into that therapy and, like, that realization because you're writing this down, you may be performing it in the booth X amount of times. So is there, like, a subconscious thing you think that's going on where you're, like, you're reciting essentially the things that are troubling you over and over and over and over again until you get it perfect and it sounds perfect. And then this is the completed song. So do, is that, like, a, in a way, a sense of therapy? You know, music's obviously therapy. You know, like, being able to record, like, how you're feeling is a crazy phenomena. Like, like one of the songs on the album, Orange Wine, like, you know, we were both just kind of, like, in, <laughs> like, a crazy headspace. Like, we were like, fuck, man. I'm like, I'm lonely, man. Like, <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm playing slide guitar on that one, and, like, it just sounds super sad. And then we kind of turn into this whole story about, you know, obviously one of the stories that Jawan was involved with involving orange wine but kind of to that point like earlier like i feel like i wanted to kind of talk about with the collection of songs like yeah. you know like like when twitter was kind of like commenting on like the track listing you know because we have things that like chapters that are called like coochie and big booty right. and like the divine stank and the like, divine stank i feel like yeah. was a big one <laughs> so like <laughs> we we saw that and we like we also just didn't want people to think like this is just like a collection of crazy like clickbaity songs or anything but like it's it's a concept album and right. you know just like how black vintage was which was like a very important world we wanted to make sure that like it was known that you know the second you know our sophomore album is a concept album but like on a very universal front that everyone experiences like revolving love and lust so Got you. Yeah. Well, let's get into the music. Oh, yeah. The fun part. If you want to introduce Adam and Eve, let us know kind of why you chose this song to play. Yeah. This is just my personal favorite song on the record. We don't really do drugs, but it sounds like I'm on cocaine. This <laughs> record. I was on a lot of coffee, though. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm trying to get jittery. He was like, he went and got a fat-ass cup of espresso. I just necked that shit. Espresso was, goes crazy, bro. Oh, man, that shit works. Yeah. Yo, nah, facts. I was, <laughs> so we recorded the second half of this. But this this album, I mean, this this record was very interesting. It was, it was like the epitome of, like, something that feels comedic but has, like, such a deeper meaning. And it was about the, the like, story of me losing my virginity but it, the juxtaposition of the song is the first half of it sort of kind of explains, like, God's... Because I have a, a religious background, so it was, like, God's intention for sex when it was, like, first created. So the first half of the song takes place in the Garden of Eden, and it's, like, I sort of, like, take on the role of Adam seeing a woman for the first time. And we're just, like, sort of, I'm sort of, like, just having a conversation, and she's, like, sort of speaking back to me, and I'm, like, rapping back... Like, just different, the, the different, like, features that I see and stuff like that on a woman. So that's, like, the first half of the record. But then it switches, and the last words before the beat switches is, I was Adam and she was Eve. And now it's, like, it's almost like comparing every man and woman ever. Like, those were our parents. And 
like we're almost doomed with our parents cursed for the rest of time it like fast forwards from the garden of eden through time to this nasty basement in new jersey <laughs> and, it's a lot of nasty basements oh, in jersey man, yo <laughs> and it tells the story of how i lost my virginity and which was what i was running a train with <laughs> a few other people you know and throughout the whole record it 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 like sort of kind of says where we got off track and then more than that where like the problems of you know addiction may have stemmed from because like you look at it and you're like oh it's not that serious and I think you know everybody likes sex you know and but when does it become unhealthy and like when does it become something that you do on an unhealthy level and this this particular song tells the story of feeling peer pressured feeling embarrassed and like you have something to prove and now you're creating a cycle where you treat other women crazy because of a situation that happened to you so that's all detailed in this record it's, it's called Adam and Eve Okay. 
Okay, first we start as Adam and Eve, now it's me and Kanisha. Second round, she throws that shit back, turns me into a lever. I think I'm having asthma attack, floating all in the ether. I'm hiding a funny feel in my back, I want to know what's the reason. Adam and Eve, there's a lot there. I want to ask both about kind of like the choices, like sonically, but also to start like, you have a lot of different flow switch-ups and a lot of different like almost effects on your voice and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what the decision-making is behind that, behind like, you know, deciding how you're going to present a verse like that. Well, I think the biggest thing is like to look at it not as a song, but as like a movie. Yeah. So you have this first character on the first half of the song that is speaking from a very, like, almost curious, like, perspective. So we wanted to slightly raise the format or pitch on the vocal. Then you have two different, two or three different characters on this, like, second half of the beat. One is a very matter-of-fact character, and he's almost like a narrator. He's telling you. But then you have the character that's, like, in character, and it's almost like this crackhead. And he's speaking about his itch. You know what I'm saying? He's speaking about his his addiction. So that's the the different the reasons. And, and, and all of those people have different flows. Like, dude, in the beginning, he I'm I'm just curious, but I'm not antsy. So I'm just vibing, you know? And then the, the piece switches, and then you have this other person that's more so, like, very matter-of-fact. So I might be rapping straight, almost like New York style. But then you have this, like, anti- crackheadish character that's very jittery the timing is weird it's off he's not he's skipping his words a lot yeah I, I, I would say it goes over a lot of people's heads like almost maybe too much but like we're, we're more so about like making shit like movies like you listen to that shit for another couple of years and discover a couple of different things every time you know yeah and then uh, that's a wild way to construct yeah. a song like in general like that's insane to think like you know well people will say oh we make music like movies but a lot of times it almost stops at like a score where it kind of feels like yeah the the sounds are big and it'd be like yeah it could be in a theater but when you what you're explaining is more like like voice acting almost like which is insane honestly it's crazy that's fire bless appreciate that bro and then y'all both produced it yeah so the production sort of like flow between Alejandro Alejandro and I she's like a very skilled guitar player to the level as to where, like, he creates soundscapes that go past what a guitar would sound like. Yeah. So, like, particularly on that record, you hear this thing that sounds like every now and then, which is creating this tension in the record. And it's, it's like, you know, every time, like, something happens, you know what I'm saying? And then even just, like, the guitar chords in the beginning fiddle um like the mandolin sound i think it's like almost like spanish guitar that's like a choice he made to to set that scene and we want it to feel angelic you want it to feel higher so that's how he plays the guitar and then i do like the the digital production like the drums and 
I play bass on the stuff and, you know, add the little things here and there to touch it. But that's the production dynamic between us two. It creates a, a very full dynamic sound and, and really takes you on that journey too. I will add a lot of other, like, crazy instrumentalists. Yeah. Like the saxophone on this whole album is a guy named Art Hayes who just added a whole level of... But I think the common theme when you come into a Black Odyssey session as a musician is like we say, like, yo, don't play it like you're trying to play music. Play it like you're trying to invoke an emotion. You're trying to get into a character. So now it's like, yo, how would a saxophone sound if it was embarrassed? Or how would a saxophone sound if it was on drugs and, and, and a crackhead? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. The approach, again, the approach, insane. I mean... It's almost like you like basically you guys are sound designers. It's more than even. <laughs> <That's good>. Yeah. <laughs> nah, really. All right, so we got some shit to put you on too. Oh, we love that. I picked an artist who goes by the name Black Butterfly, who is from Jersey. Doing it. You did, uh, did it this time. <laughs> I went. I went. I was like, this, this actually just happened perfectly because I I saw her play. Maybe two, three weeks ago, she opened for Cleo Reed and Kia in Brooklyn. And I had never heard her music before and, and really blew me away. And so she's from New Brunswick, based in Philly, pianist, singer, songwriter, producer, raised in the church, came into music through the church. For the last few years, has kind of toured as a keyboard player for people like Kia, Orion Sun, Ivy Soul, Reese, recently in an interview said that she had played with Lauren Hill. Didn't, didn't really say much information about it, but just was like, yeah, played live with Lauren Hill. And I was like, okay. And and has been putting an EP together working with Steve McKee, who's a Philly Grammy-nominated producer that has worked with like Bilal, Jill Scott, with Jasmine Sullivan. So like once I started, like after I saw her live and was looking into all this, I was like, okay, she's tapped in. really tapped in and, and was really even more excited. She has... This what we're going to play is her debut single, As Black Butterfly, and it's called Imagine. I can't stop chasing my dreams. Every night I lay my head down, but I can't sleep. My thoughts keep running rampant because I want to be everything that I imagine. Yeah, it'll happen. I can't stop chasing my dreams. Every night I lay my head down, but I can't sleep. My thoughts keep running rampant because I want to be everything that I imagine. Yeah, it'll happen. Sometimes I think about what it'll be like. Every Everybody following me with cameras and lights And I'm all in my head, like would that feel right? Cause I know that I got a bigger plan than the fame and the fortune And that should cost a fortune After TMZ and all the blogs say good morning Now you gotta deal with fake niggas supporting
Rolling on the keys for a girl Well, fuck it, should I change my first name over to Earl? Why can't I just be dope but drop the word for a girl? I earn my shit just like all of you niggas for real And I don't understand why y'all be doubting for real See, I just try to be a good person for real And niggas wanna test me so I'm ready for real And if you hate me, I know you love me for real See, I'm that type of girl Black girl, not scared, dreaming big 25, different mind, different life, dope music I go stupid, niggas be like, who this? Black girl from Jersey, trying to act ruthless Waiting on my time with my chin up Walking and talking proud for all my fucking sisters My dreams ain't just for me They got roots and family trees And I got plenty of seeds stop chasing my dreams Every night I lay my head down Keep running around, because I wanna be everything that I imagine. Yeah, it'll happen. I can't stop chasing my dreams. Every night I lay my head down, but I can't sleep. My thoughts keep running around, because I wanna be everything that I imagine. Yeah, it'll happen. Black Butterfly. That's smooth. Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Oh, Jersey to Philly. Yeah, I was just ex- like, you know. Jersey see? to Philly is crazy. I'm going to say that out loud, <laughs> but it's okay. I'll still support. But that, look, when I saw her live, it felt very Philly. I feel like that song feels very Philly. When I saw her live, it just like blew me away. And then I, I went back and listened to this. Literally the only song she has out. And I just liked it as like kind of a, a introduction to her. The production is somewhat subtle but kind of like creeps up on you and she's like talking her shit i'm like for the debut single for her to be like laying it all out there and just being like this is who i am i appreciate it yeah i also feel like it definitely being that's the first single we looking at 78 views it's definitely like room room to like do much more like you know what i mean and not a bad way but like this is still like a a good potential artist to do so much more good things because she has a good yeah. foundation and a good solid sound where she just keeps building on that shit is going to go up. Yeah, the seed's been planted. So it's exactly. just like, when I see that, it's like, yeah, there's only room for growth and like, it's going to come. Like, it's it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, I also like, you know, obviously it's like an uplifting song, but it's like, she's just manifesting that shit. Yep. Facts. It works. <laughs> it works big time, big time. Um, am, am I, am I, what do you got? It's me, man. It's me. So what do I have? Okay, you know I'm not doing intro. So here we go. We got Ori Twin. I cannot be the same. I don't know how to behave. You look like you know that I'll never let you go. I can never be the same. Before I call my name. Turn your head. Mm-hmm. 
So, so Ori, she she kind of like world sound and like she. It's a duo though. No, this is just her. Oh, this is hard. just her. I think it's a duo. Nah, it's just her. She has a, a duo album. I trust you. She has a duo album out, like a new project that she got with another with another girl. But this in particular song is just her. Mm. She is born in Guyana mm. and mm. moved to well moved to France. And then moved to Canada when she was 16. And throughout all of that, she, like, learned how to play the harp, the cello, I think the guitar, and at, like, age five or six, something. Like, on some, like, prodigy-type vibes. And basically, literally went to school in in Canada to learn composition and, like, how to basically transfer all that, like, classical training into, like, electronic shit. Did a boiler room, did some production, did some DJ and shit, and basically has just translated this all into this. Cause her her debut album came out with 2021. She says in her on her bio and her website, she says that she sculpts chaos with layers of texture and only only to ask you to find her voice within it. Hold on, hear it out, and chase me. That's what she's basically Interesting. Her, what her her thing is and I heard this shit and I was like you're an incredible person and I had to put y'all on <laughs> I love it I mean I thought the, the soundscapes on that was super interesting and the textures were really nice yeah super fire yeah and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a harp yeah, yeah. kind of reminds me of Saya Gray a little bit mm. yeah so she she did play some like and also let me ask she did play for like some live shit for like Eve Tamor mm. and like in that world where it's already like you on a different type of time. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. I so. like the almost like the breakdown at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's like still acoustic, but then it has like those background vocals that are kind of like chopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure it's one of those things also what we talked about earlier where I'm positive there's a deeper meaning to what's going on like even though there's very minimal lyrics here it's like sonically you feel something just based off what's being said and then what is being played so yeah that's it that's all we got thank y'all
Y'all got your pick, and we'll let your pick, like, play out the episode. Oh, fine. Uh, but, yeah, before we get into that, you know, thank y'all for coming through. Man, thank you for having us, man. Y'all have been a huge supporter of us, and we really appreciate that forever, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we look forward to growing with y'all, and, and yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're going to be at the Grammys next. Let's get it, bro. Let's go. Let's go. We don't care about the awards, but a Grammy would be nice. Yeah, man. It would be nice for sure. You want to introduce the last song of the night? So this this artist is a very special artist from Texas. Her name is Emma Soul. Happens to be my sister-in-law as well. Something me and Alejandro, my brother, who's my business partner, have been developing for a little over like two years now. And she's our first artist that we signed to our label with Empire. So uh, she's super special. Her voice, she's in Black Odyssey as well. All of her, all of the female vocals that you hear on the record for the most part are her. So yeah, this is her newest single. It's called Addiction. She has a project coming up soon. She's also going to be opening for us on tour. September, we start touring in September. Hell yeah. We'll, we'll see you then. Let's go. We love some nepotism. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to our conversation with Black Odyssey. 
Here's a preview of our interview with Wesley Joseph, dropping on all platforms next Thursday, July 20th. Wesley Joseph, welcome to Not 97. Thank you for having me. You are currently on tour, first time touring in New York. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? I've only been here once before, but I love it out here, man. Energy's great. It's How just, old were you last time you were in New York? How old was I? I think 24 yeah. or 23. Yeah. yeah. I came out here for like the most random job. I was doing like this cover shoot for Uniqlo. This is actually a good story, actually. It came at a perfect time because I was at university and it was this, it was this point where I didn't have any money but I desperately wanted to do music. And it was this weird transitioning point where I could have got a job and just, or I could have moved back home and tried to do music, like, and then move back, which by the way is like a way less likely version of me making it work type thing. And I was like doing loads of freelance jobs. Like I was shooting videos for these companies that I didn't care about, just trying to make money for rent. And I remember I spoke to my dad on the phone and he was like, maybe like you should just get a job or like, you know, do something a little bit more normal for the time being and try and make music work on the, in the background. And then just, you know, for finance. And then I got an email out of thin air, like literally I was at uni in the editing suite, editing like my first short film thing. And I got this email and it was just like, are you free in two weeks to come to New York? And I was like, and I'd never been to New York never been to America and I was like I thought it was fake so I was like yes I am free what's the job and it was this Uniqlo job and it was well paid like more money than I'd ever been paid before type thing nothing crazy crazy but enough to like pay for like a few months rent and allow me to sustain myself for that time being I kind of needed to make music so I was like yeah I'm definitely free for that and then all the way up until the point where I was in the airport, I didn't think it was real. Yeah. I, I was like, this is a bit, where did they, I had like one photo on Instagram. I didn't understand where it came from. I think I maybe met someone years before and they just suggested me because they got, <laughs> they liked me or something. I, I still don't know where that job even came from to this day. And I flew out here and I was here for like two weeks just living. Bro, the shoot was one day and they put me up in this nice hotel for two weeks. And it was my birthday, had the best time out here. The sun was shining, like it was crazy. And then when I got back within the the time frame that I could sustain myself, I was literally just like working on the music that allowed me to stay in London for the longer period of time. Like, yeah. so the things I made in that period of time, because the stakes were so high and it was a clock. Yeah, that's, that's when I got my like first distribution deal, That's which allowed me to sustain myself for even longer, make my first EP. You know, even though we were, you know, still scrambling and saving and it wasn't it wasn't like there was loads of money, but there was enough money to keep me going type thing. But it all kind of revolves weirdly around this trip to New York. That's crazy. Which is kind of sick. Yeah. Check back next week for the full conversation. Subscribe to Not 97 now on your preferred streaming platform so you don't miss it. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Threads, YouTube, wherever you get your content. Catch you soon.